Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, and we're very glad you're here. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in every person. So in the spirit of that heritage, I say, let us greet the holy in our midst by turning to the person to your right and left and welcoming them here this morning. Will you say with me the words with which we light the chalice, which is the symbol of our faith, in the light of truth and the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. Our call to worship this morning is from The Secret Life of Bees by Sue Mont Kidd. Place a beehive on my cave grave and let the honey soak through. When I'm dead and gone, that's what I want from you. The streets of heaven are gold and sunny, but I'll stick with my plot and a pot of honey. Place a beehive on my grave and let the honey soak through. People come to this place with their roots and their practices in almost all of the major world religions, including secular humanism, staunch atheism, and um, neo-paganism. So what holds us all together? One of the things that guides this congregation from its center is our mission statement. We wrote it on the wall, and we say it together every Sunday. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. The meditation reading this morning is by Sue Monk Kidd. The world was really one bee yard, and the same rules work fine in both places. Don't be afraid. As no life-loving bee wants to sting you. Still, don't be an idiot. Wear long pants and long sleeves. Don't swat. Don't even think about swatting. If you feel angry, whistle. Anger agitates while whistling melts the bee's temper. Act like you know what you're doing, even if you don't. Above all, send the bees love. Every little thing wants to be loved. Now is the time in our service when we join together in an attitude of meditation or prayer, when we breathe deeply into that place in our heart where we are most who we are. By breathing deeply and following our breath, by noticing our thoughts and inviting them to just pass on along while we bring our attention back to our breath, we employ an ancient technique for finding the stillness inside. 
It is in this stillness where we learn, where we see things clearly, where we can send love to ourselves, to others, to the world, to the planet. Let us enter into the wise silence together, understanding that in this congregation, sounds of life and small child noises are part of silence. Among my favorite Southern writers is a woman named Kay Gibbons, and she wrote in Paste magazine an article where she says, being a Southern writer is a hazardous inheritance that too often reassures us that the world is listening with intent and need for our messages, when it should be our reminder that we're all generally hollering entertainment from the bottom of a well, and getting it right requires sending up water, some force of living that people can use to treat one another better. I was asked this week about my philosophy of preaching, and this pretty much encapsulates it. I I don't want to be hollering entertainment from the bottom of the well. I need to be sending up some water that people can use to have a better experience of life. So my, my text is from another Southern writer named Sue Monk Kidd. She used to write for a magazine called Guideposts for very conservative Christians, and then um, her theology sort of slid to the um, earth-based side, and she has been writing novels. The Secret Life of Bees was her first big success. So in the story, it's 1964 in the South. A 16-year-old white girl named Lily runs away from her abusive father, accompanied by Rosaline, a black woman who helped Lily's father raise her from the age of four after Lily's mother was shot. Maybe by the dad, maybe by Lily. We don't know. One of the only things Lily has of her mother's is a piece of paper with a, with a drawing on it of a black Madonna. And on the back of the drawing are the words Tiburon, South Carolina. So she heads to Tiburon, South Carolina, to try to find out what this is of her mother's. They find out that the picture on the label is from a jar of honey made by a beekeeper named August, who lives in a pink house with her sisters May and June. The sisters take in the runaways, and August is, um, sorry, Lily is talking. She says, I hadn't been out to the hives before, so to start off, August gave me a lesson in what she called bee-yard etiquette. She reminded me that the world was really one big bee-yard and that the same w- rules worked fine in both places. Don't be afraid, as no life-loving bee wants to sting you. Still, don't be an idiot. Wear long sleeves and long pants. Don't swat. Don't even think about swatting. If you feel angry, whistle. Anger agitates while whistling melts a bee's temper. Act like you know what you're doing, even if you don't. Above all, send the bees love. Every little thing wants to be loved. I picture the church as a beehive sometimes. 
you have important work going on. You're making honey, and you're making the honey of, of community, and you're making the honey of justice and spiritual growth and intellectual exploration, compassion, love, challenge, clarity. And those things are so sweet, and they take so much effort. In a hive of bees, everyone has a job. Wax making, honey production, the gathering of the nectar which pollinates our crops and flowers, and the queen who lays the eggs. There are even nurse bees whose job it is to feed the baby bees. In doing research for this sermon, I looked around for um, people talking about bees, and I found about a a beekeeping project in inner-city Chicago, and the bees go out to the parks and to people's gardens and get pollen there and come back and make honey. And one visitor to this inner-city beekeeping project wrote this, I stood just a few feet from the hives as the younger men jiggled the bees from the supers. The supers are those square things that go into the hive. You have to kind of romance the bees off of that so you can get the honey. Sometimes you smoke, smoke, smoke them so that they get a little dizzy. Um, The air around me sizzled. I stood as still as I could, willing myself not to flinch. Terror and awe were one as I stood in the eye of the swarm, perfectly still. The term ecstasy makes some uneasy because of the hallucinogenic and sexual connotations, but its root word, ecstasis, means to stand out of yourself. And when the air sizzled, it was easy to forget myself, to slip out of my own worries, and to realize that I was a small, vulnerable part of something much larger than myself. It was a relief, if only for a few moments. It was like remembering to inhale deeply after a series of shallow breaths. After being so focused on the bees, I could see everything else more clearly. Is this part of the gift the bees give their beekeepers? an opportunity to come out of themselves, to turn away from what they've done and remember what they could be, to be, if nothing else, ecstatic. As I watched the beekeepers work, they would periodically break off small bits of honeycomb that grew along the rims of the supers. After checking for bees, they'd suck the honey from the comb. We do this for energy, Michael Thompson said, but we also do it to remember why we're here. I'd read in The Secret Life of Bees that I should continually send love toward the bees and exercise their own fears, and I tried to do these things, but still I got stung. When I was sitting on the concrete jotting down the notes, a bee landed on my knee and dug in. It hurts, I said, cringing, as a beekeeper gently brushed the dying bee off my leg. Yeah, he said, we try to avoid it. Nobody can be in a community that's trying to get something done without doing the work, tasting the sweetness, and feeling the sting. I used to be so scared of bees that when I was about six years old, I almost threw myself out of a car going 60 miles an hour because there was a bee on the window next to my head, and I still remember the buzzing, and I remember it being a blotch that big of just and I panicked, and I reached for the door, and my mother reached back from the front and held on to me, otherwise I would have gotten more hurt than the bee could have done. But that's how panic thinks. The dread of being stung 
and the outrage at having been stung can make us flail around in community when flailing around is the worst thing we could possibly do. August said, don't be afraid. Still, don't be an idiot. Wear long sleeves. Act like you know what you're doing. Send love. Most people don't want to sting you. They just get going too fast, or they're not thinking, or their big toe hurts, or they are frustrated because they can't find a room for their committee to meet in, or your committee has stayed in your room too long and they're supposed to get in there, or... People do sting. This is not a really stingy church, though. I don't hear stinginess a lot here. Um, Other churches are a lot stingier. People say, oh, I'm just telling it like it is. (laughs) Well, it's true. But we really try not to sting here, but we still do sometimes. So, um, and people get so, uh, we get so distressed when we get stung at church. Because it's not supposed to be that way. We come to a church from a very deep, open part of ourselves, a hopeful part. And you taste the honey and you think, this is amazing, this is wonderful. But nobody tells you that there's stinging that goes along with the honey sometimes, just sometimes. And it feels like a terrible betrayal. August says, don't be an idiot. Wear long sleeves and long pants. Know that people will sometimes be moving too fast or get too angry or lonely or hungry or tired and they'll sting. Protect yourself reasonably. If somebody's always getting on your last nerve, it might be because you're wearing your last nerve a little too close to the surface. Wear a hat. Don't swat. Here's what I take don't swat to mean. So if you're in a situation where things are getting scary, try to imagine that everybody involved in that situation or that discussion or whatever is doing their best and that they want to do the right thing and that they have intentions of doing the right thing And that sometimes they really think they are doing the right thing. And sometimes you need to just stand still. I had a a wonderful therapist teacher who was, we were running a counseling center together and he was my supervisor. And a lot of time he would say to me, Meg, don't just do something, stand there. One website called What Everyone Needs to Know About Bee Stings says this. Bee stings are a normal part of life in the country and a normal part of working with bees. Many people enjoy bees and consider the occasional sting to be the price we pay for the pleasure of their company. For having them pollinate our food crops and providing us with honey. This is true about a community that's a good fit for us. The occasional sting is a price we pay for the pleasure of one another's company. Removing the stinger as quickly as possible reduces the amount of venom injected and reduces the effects. 
Yeah. So when somebody stings you, it's good to remove the stinger as soon as possible. Say to them, ow, that really hurt. Or um, resolve to forgive them. Don't dwell on what happened. We know how much fun it is to be the righteous victim. I talk to you about this a lot. And how much fun it is to go to certain friends who are on your side all the time and they will not be reasonable with you, which is such a pain. They will be on your side. Because reasonable is not what you want when you're hurting. And you tell your story and they go, Oh, no! I can't believe that. And it's very satisfying. But telling the story over and over again is a way of just leaving the stinger in there and letting it keep pumping its venom in there. Um, I'm not saying you have to forget what they did. I'm just saying not dwelling on it is the equivalent of taking the stinger out. Stay calm, the B website says. Stay calm. Most of the ill effects from normal stinging incidents come from panic in the person being stung and bystanders. Bystanders. Um, Panic and anxiety multiply the pain and can result in serious secondary accidents, like throwing yourself out of a moving car (laughs) or throwing your hot tea on someone when you get stung or just flailing around and breaking some glass or... um, Flailing around is just hardly ever a sane thing to do. Yeah, so not panicking when you get stung, I think in a church, would mean taking a deep breath and realizing people get like that. Try not to take it personally. You know if somebody is a stingy kind of person, that they're stingy to everybody. It's not just you took me a long time to realize that. Sometimes I thought that certain people were just sweet to everybody. They were just hard for me to get along with. No, we do have people in this world who are hard to get along with. I'm sorry to say, but that's just a fact. And some of them are in our families and some of them are in here (laughs) on your inner committee. (laughs) Y'all have a picture of your inner committee? You might have wonderful people on there, but, you know, in there also is that 14-year-old girl who's got pointy shoes and she's leaning against the wall smoking a cigarette and just mad at the world. And everything, she just goes, yeah, right. So panic would mean letting one of those committee members take over and think, oh, this is just horrible. I can't stand this. It's going to be like this all the time. It's just everybody. Nice to take a deep breath and go to one of your friends who is reasonable when you talk to them. You know who they are. And you go, this happened. Can I have a reality check? Was this me? And they'll go, you know what? This part of it was you. And this part of it was them. And they were being unreasonable. And there's probably a reason. Just don't be on a committee with them anymore. Or talk to them. Or you might need to not be married to them anymore. (laughs) This church is going to be going through some big changes in the next year or so. That increases our stress level. We're going to try to share space like we always do, only there's going to be less space because it's going to be getting fixed. 
And so somebody might sting, just getting frustrated, just want you to be ready. Some people have big fights when they're doing a design for a building, so we'll probably have some big fights. Episcopal Church, I knew in South Carolina, they almost split up, I think I told you this, by how far the carpet should come up before the slate started. (laughs) Behind the pulpit in the last church where I was minister, where they were doing a big building program, behind the pulpit was this um, pink color, this dark uh, 1983 pink color that uh, had been put up there by a beloved church member. And I said, boy, we really need to change that. And people went, oh, no, 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 because her sister, her mother, her daughter, they will think it's a slap at her. And so when we started to build, I said, y'all, we're going to have some big fights. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get us used to change. We're going to change this color every six weeks. (laughs) And I had some lovely men in the church who volunteered to do the painting and the color choices. And so we had dove gray, and we had celery green, and we had sky blue, and we had yellow, and it just changed. And then in between all that, they put up lights there, and they were like, oh, man, that color makes you look dead. We're not going to do that anymore. And um, we had a lovely time just changing the colors. People kind of got used to, I hate that, I love that, too. I can live with that. Yeah, I can live with that. So we're going to have some stresses. Meanwhile... In our nation, we're having presidential election, which is stressing out some people, me, because even though I don't like what I'm seeing, I can't stop watching. And I go, oh my goodness, I knew there were a couple of people like this in our nation, but look, there are like thousands Am I living in the country I thought I was living in? Apparently not. And so it's very stressful trying to think what's going to happen. And you have all your friends on your Facebook feed. They're like, if this person wins, I'm moving to Canada. If that person wins, I'm moving to Cuba. If that person, you know. So it's going to be a stressful time, my friends. And some of us are going to be alarmed on and off and distressed on and off and trying to think whether we can live with this or not. And the challenge for spiritual people or spirited people, which I prefer, the challenge is to be present while not being anxious. Does that make sense? Because a lot of people, when they're anxious, they withdraw. So people will be like, oh, this is too hard for me. I'm just not turning off my TV till it's over. Or this is too hard for me. I'm just leaving this church till the building's over. I'll, I'll be back later on when the stress level is less. But to be present and not anxious is the deal. Because a lot of people like to stay present and really anxious. Some people love that um, sense of, <gasps> what's going to happen? And some people don't feel happy unless everyone around them is as anxious as they are. And so they come into a room and they're like, what's the matter with you? Don't you get it? This is the situation. And then every, as they walk through the room that everybody who was fine before is now panicked. Have you ever seen that happen once in a while? So our job is to be present 
and not anxious. And we need to remember to assume good intentions on people's part. And we need to remember to disagree with respect and curiosity. Not curiosity like, what's the matter with you? That's not curiosity. (laughs) Curiosity is, help me understand how you came to this position. Our job is to stay hospitable to one another, to nourish one another's souls, to be open to having our lives transformed, to build community, to be welcoming to the people who need us who aren't here yet. Don't swat and send out love. Every little thing wants to be loved. Will you say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice? We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Remember the way of the wind and breathe and blow. Remember the way of the fire and sparkle and glitter and glow. Remember the way of the water and ebb and flow. Remember the way of the earth and grow. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at www.austinuu.org.